All right, open your Bible, please, to Matthew chapter 8. What's David's uh, military rank? I just mentioned that. I know, but what is his promoted to a lieutenant colonel? Some of you remember David Roberts. Uh, he was in our Sunday school and our youth group, and he joined the chaplaincy. And now then, uh, he has been promoted to a very high rank, and uh, is going to the war front. And he will be there representing the kingdom of God and representing Evangel Temple's input into his life while he was here as a young person. So all of our military persons need your prayers. Matthew chapter 8, verses 18, down through verse 22. Now when Jesus, brother, I'm about uh, 10 decibels too high up here. on the monitors. <laughs> now when Jesus saw the great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And another of his disciples saith unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. You may be seated. One of the great assurances that followers of Jesus are not alone, is found in the book of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, where it is quoted from some passage that he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now we know that's in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, but we don't know when that was spoken because it's not uh, given in another part of the Bible. But at some point he promised them, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Think about that for a moment. God's assurance that we're never going to be alone. There is an old song that says, never alone. I've seen the lightning flashing and heard the thunder roll. I've felt sin's breakers dashing, trying to conquer my soul. I've heard the voice of my Savior telling me still to fight on. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. No, no. Never alone, no, never alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. It means exactly that, never. Everybody say never. He will never leave us alone. Constantly he is with us and abides with us and will always be there for us whenever we need him. Well, it was great to see the results, and more than a 1,000 people responded to the invitation. More than 6,000 people saw the production, Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flame. More than a 1,000 walked these aisles and uh, prayed and asked Jesus to come into their heart. And I don't know how many of them that it was the first time, how many of them it was a rededication. We didn't get decision cards on every one of them, but for the hundreds that we did get decision cards on, 
We're sending them letters. We're encouraging them. They're getting a telephone call if they gave us a telephone number. We're sending the decision cards to the churches and to the pastors that they identified. It, it's a mammoth task to try to get all of that accomplished. And so most of them have been called. All of them have gotten a letter. And then we will be sending the decision cards this week to the pastors and to the churches that they identified as their home church. But what they need to understand is that was a beginning and that was a commitment. But now then, they're entering into the fray. They're going into battle, but they're not alone. Jesus promised to never leave us alone. You must understand how important it is, however, that you not leave him. He's not going to force himself upon you. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. Eternal life is in a person. It's in Jesus Christ. It's not a commodity. It's not just a gift that the Lord gives to you and then you forget about Him and you have your ticket to heaven. That's not the way it works. It's something that you share. He is the vine and we are the branches. The life flows out of the vine into the branches. The branches have to stay connected to the vine for that source of life to flow into them and for them to bear fruit. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself. And an individual cannot make it to heaven by themselves. Only as we abide in Christ can we have him living inside of us and giving to us that eternal life, sharing with us the eternal life. It's not just something he gives us, it's something he shares with us. He that hath Present tense, hath the Son, hath life. And he that hath not the Son, hath not life. When Jesus began his ministry, he called people to follow him. He wanted their company. He wanted their assistance. He wanted to make disciples of, of them. He wanted to prepare them to carry on the ministry after he would go back to heaven. So he said, follow me to Simon and to his brother, Andrew. Follow me. And I will make you to become fishers of men. The challenge was, walk in my footsteps. Follow me. Go with me. Abide with me. And the Bible record is, they left their nets and they followed him. I submit to you tonight, there are things that we need to leave to follow Jesus. You can't carry all the baggage with you. You can't remain a person of the world and live a carnal life a world of life and follow the temptations of the flesh and be obedient to that lifestyle and continue to follow Christ. So they left their nets, which I believe offers to us a suggestion. There are things that we need to drop and things that we need to leave in order to be pleasing unto God. You certainly need to leave drugs and alcohol and you need to leave illicit sex and obsessions and things that take control of your life, life-controlling problems, leave them behind. I've had in my office at least four people in recent weeks and several in the past week, people who are bound by alcohol. And I've given to them this bit of advice. You have got to leave the crowd you've been running with. You've got to find and identify with a new set of friends. You've got to make new acquaintances. That's why I recommend to you couples, go to the couples fellowship next Saturday. You know, I don't understand why people don't seek out privileges 
and things that give them the opportunity to identify with other Christians. I mean, be a uh, couch potato and sit there and watch television and see if your marriage grows. It's not going to be enhanced by the inactivity. You need to be with Christian friends. You need to be involved in activities. You young people need to be involved in things that are offered to the youth. Singles need to be involved in things that the church offers to singles. Children need to be involved in Sunday school. They need to be in children's church. They need vacation Bible school this summer. They need youth camp. They need the things that will help them to forsake the life of sin and to follow Jesus and become a disciple of the Lord. Give it up. Give up those habits. Give up those acquaintances that pull you down. I said to this one person who was in my office this week, don't go back to that crowd. As sure as you do, they're going to pull you down. And they're down this weekend. They're down. They didn't make it back to the house of God. I said to two people in my office this past week, you've got to give them up. You've got to forsake that crowd. They're going to destroy you and they will not be your friends. They will not be there when you need them. Give them up. So I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight in this crowd because they're not here. But I'm telling you, those people who cause you to want to follow the ways of the world and follow the temptations of the flesh, give them up and follow Jesus. In my text, a certain scribe said, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. In verse 19, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Jesus responded to him, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. He laid it on the line. It's not going to be easy. There is a sacrifice. There is a cross to bear. There is a price to pay. And the foxes have holes. The birds of the air have nests. They always have a place to go to. But if you follow me, we're going to be itinerant evangelists. We're going to travel up and down through Palestine. We're going to preach on the seashore. We're going to be in the mountains. We're going to be in the storms out on the seaside. We're going to be in the synagogues. We're going to be in the marketplace. People are going to mock you. People are going to ridicule you because you're not home. You have not found an environment that you can identify with and say, this is my environment. And so we're strangers and pilgrims in this world. We're on a journey. We're citizens of another world. That doesn't mean we can't be happy. That doesn't mean that we can't content ourselves with a place that God has given to us in this world. You know, Paul said, I've learned whatsoever state that I am in therewith to be content. Someone said he never was in Alabama. He never was in Florida. <laughs> whatever state of existence, whatever state, if it's a, a, a prison cell in Rome, if it's being in a shipwreck, wherever it is, I've learned to be content because God is with me. And he will never leave me alone. Amen. Hallelujah. What it implies here is a life of self-denial. The things to give up. The things to walk away from. The things that you've got to no longer be attached to and begin to follow Jesus. There is a price to pay. Leaving all things. An uncertain future, not knowing what tomorrow may bring forth. A young lady called me, and I've counseled with her many times over recent years. A drug background, come out of a bad lifestyle. 
And every once in a while, she just has to rededicate her life and start all over again. And recently, she did just exactly that. This past Wednesday night, she was on this campus, and she normally attends service in here. She felt led to go to the young adult service. And she did, and then she said, well, I almost left several times, but then I, I stayed. And I heard a young man talking with Pastor John Bailey. And he was uh, new. He had just arrived in town, and he said that he had a Mormon background. His mother and sister had died while he was out on a fishing boat in Alaska. So he'd come from Alaska, and someone had advised him, when you get down in Florida, find a, a good Assembly of God church and go there. And they said, the way that you will know that it's a good church, the pastor will come up to you on the parking lot and tell you to come in and invite you to church. Well, in talking with this young man, when she overheard the conversation, she, she ministered to him and later the next day prayed the sinner's prayer with him. Anyway, he said, well, Pastor Wiggins came up to me on the parking lot and urged me to attend the young adult, adult service. I said to this young lady, it never happened. I didn't do that. I didn't meet anybody on the parking lot. And I would have been glad to invite them to go to the young adult service, but that just didn't happen. She said, oh, but he identified your picture on one of the church publications and said, that's him, Cecil Wiggins. Well, I don't know what happened. I just believe that God let him see and hear what he needed to see and what he needed to hear in order to get his life turned around. And he, he did get saved and on his way from the bus station, he missed the first bus and catching between that and catching the second bus, he called and testified to the joy that had come into his life through a unique thing that happened that I have no explanation for other than to tell you God knows your address and knows where you are. He knows who you are and he knows what it will take to get your life on the right road. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I will certainly admonish you tonight. Children, young people, adults, there is a cross to bear. There is self-denial involved in following Jesus. It is not for you to just indulge in all the privileges and the promises of God and have a big Santa Claus concept of God where you're getting everything you want and God is not getting anything back in return from your life. There is a cross to bear. There is self-denial involved. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Repeat that with me. Deny himself. And take up his cross. Repeat that. Take up his cross. So there is self-denial and there is a cross to bear. Now, don't wince and don't, don't try to uh, worm your way out of it and, and say, this is just tough. I didn't expect this because anything worth having is worth paying a price for. It. Nothing's going to be given to you on a silver platter. In life, you've got to learn that there's a price to pay for education. There's a price to pay for a, a career where you can earn a good living. You have to apply yourself. You've got to deny yourself the distractions and focus on what it will take. Gary was telling me of, of sitting by Sam Bajelia, who has had amputations, who almost died from cancer surgery. 
and then two major heart attacks while he was in the hospital for the cancer surgery. And the doctors at one point telling him, telling his family that they were going to have to take him off of life support and just let him expire because there was no hope for him. There was no visible evidence of life sustaining process in his life. But he was at a basketball game, and this is twice as happened, in his wheelchair and witnessing and testifying to the resurrection power of the living God. But he was telling him how he got started in life in business and how that someone told him, if you want to go places in this company, told him exactly what to do and how he would have to apply himself. He took that advice. He applied himself. He worked his way up in that company. Soon he owned his own businesses, plural, businesses. And today is a comfortable is comfortably situated and a successful businessman. And I want to tell you something. You have to determine that if you're going to make a good Christian out of your life, if you're going to be successful in this Christian race, you've got to apply yourself. Deny yourself those things that will distract you and take up the cross that is intended. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. I would like to invite those who plan to be baptized in water to please excuse yourself now and slip out the side doors. Men to my left, the ladies to my right, and someone will be there to assist you. And we will, during the invitation time, have time for you to be baptized. There are the courageous ones. Give them a hand. <laughs> Praise God. Talk about taking up your cross and denying yourself. <laughs> We're putting them to the test tonight. Amen. They won't have to break ice. In verse 19 of this text, chapter 8 of Matthew, a certain scribe said, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And that's when Jesus said to them, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. It implied the self-denial of Jesus on this earth. He was the son of God. He could have created a mansion to live in. He could have created chests of gold and silver. He did none of that. He did perform miracles and Simon Peter went fishing and caught a fish with a piece of a coin there large enough to pay for their taxes. And again and again, he multiplied the loaves and the fishes and he did things to prove that he had power as the Holy Spirit anointed him to do the work of the ministry. In Matthew chapter 26, please, open your Bibles, Matthew chapter 26, verse 31 through 37. Here is where Peter boasted that he would never be offended about following Jesus. Beginning with verse 31, Matthew chapter 26. Then said Jesus unto them, all ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men should be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee that this night before the cock crows, Thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise, 
said all of the disciples. Every one of them repeated the same thing. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. And he saith unto his disciples, sit here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee. Now look at this next statement. And began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Now I don't know what all the Lord felt in this night in Gethsemane. I know he had to look into that cup that contained the sins of the entire human race. But I believe the first thing that he was sorrowful about is that he had spoken the truth that that night Simon Peter would deny him three times. Before the cock crowed twice, Simon Peter would deny him. That night, Judas, another one of his disciples, would betray him for 30 pieces of silver. That night, every one of his disciples would forsake him and flee in fear when the soldiers arrived and arrested Jesus. So he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. The Son of God. Now, this is not skipping down the aisles. This is not hip, hip, hooray. This is a man in grief, in a state of grief. Sorrowful and very heavy. You think it didn't hurt to know that his inner circle could not be trusted? That one of them would curse and lie and deny him? And that another disciple, Judas, would betray him for 30 pieces of silver. And that every one of the disciples would forsake him in the garden and flee for fear when the soldiers arrived and arrested Jesus. That was heavy tidings. He knew all things. He knew what was going to take place. Look in verse 21 of our text, please. Another disciple said, Lord, Suffer me first to go and bury my father. The scribe had boasted, and later Peter boasted, and all the disciples boasted that they would never be offended. They would never forsake the Lord. This, this disciple in verse 21 of our text says, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. It's not certain that his father was even sick. We don't know that, that he, but what he was maybe aged, and well along in years and after a passing of time, he would die. So maybe he's asking for weeks or months or maybe years here. We really don't know. But at any rate, we do know that he was not ready to drop everything and go right now. Let me first go and bury my father. Let me stay home until my father expires and we'll have an appropriate funeral service and then I will come and be your disciple. Jesus responded by saying, let the dead bury their dead. Here I believe the Lord is saying, let the spiritual, spiritually dead bury their dead. But you come and follow me. And I want to say to you tonight that you have to choose between your family and between Jesus. If they reject Jesus and tell you that you cannot serve the Lord, you've got to say goodbye. I'm following Jesus whatever it takes. In our country, it's not such a difficulty, but in a Muslim country or among the Jews, for a person to become a Christian, they renounce their family. They're put out of the family, disinherited and put out, and they will not any longer have the privileges of being within the family circle. Let the dead bury their dead. 
You have got to count the cost to follow Jesus. In Luke chapter 14, beginning with verse 25, we find these words. There went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate, strong word, any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. Well, a lot of people fit that bill. They do hate their family. But that's not the kind of hatred he's talking about. <laughs> in comparison with the love that they have for Jesus, their loyalty to their family would be as hatred because they put Jesus first above all. It doesn't literally mean that they're to spitefully hate their family. But he says, you've got to follow Jesus. Whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. For which of you intendeth to build a tower and sitteth not down first and counteth the cost? There it is. Count the cost. There's a cost. And then he talks about a king going to war. Before a king would put his troops into battle, he counts the cost. I believe that our military leaders and our president have been weighing the cost of going to war. And that's why they've waited this long to find if there is any hope to find a different avenue. And so they know what it means to put American lives at risk on the battlefield. And they don't want to do that unless it's absolutely necessary. That's why we need to pray as we have never prayed before that God will help our president to know what to do. But I want to skip down to verse 33. Likewise, whosoever of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. There may be something about a job. There may be something about a career. There may be something about your education. There may be something about a relationship that you're having with a person that you've got to count the cost of following the Lord or choosing between Jesus and that person. When I got saved, I was working in a grocery store. I was walking down the street. In those days, you delivered to the neighborhood on foot. And I was carrying not a bag of groceries. I was carrying a box of beer on my shoulder. And I was convicted every step that I took. Every I was under condemnation. I delivered that case of beer and I went right back to my, the manager of the store and I resigned my job and I said, I, I give it up. I'm not delivering any more beer. <laughs> so I, I changed that name. There comes a time, and, and I don't know what situation that you feel is necessary for you to deal with in order to continue to maintain a good Christian testimony. But I am telling you, you have got to count the cost to follow Jesus. There is a price to pay for discipleship. Whosoever be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. He talked about hatred. He doesn't want us to hate our brothers and sisters and our father and our mother, but he does want our love for him to be so great that even our devotion to our family would be, as compared to that, would be his hatred. In verse 27, he said, If any man does not bear his cross, the cross is our following Jesus. It involves commitment. It involves service. There are two words that are seldom used anymore, consecration and dedication. Brother Pettibone, we grew up with those words in Pentecost. You, you came into Pentecost later in life, but um, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. 
I remember when it came to town and my family became a part of it and I hit the sawdust trail, knelt down under the old wooden tabernacle for the first time in my life and then later when I was a senior in high school, I rededicated my life. But I know that consecration is a term that people push into the background because it's easy to walk after the lust of the flesh and to do the things of this world as if, well, we have a lot of freedom and if your conscience doesn't bother you, you know what your, do you know what your first duty is about your conscience? Educate it. Give it a good education in the Word of God. Your conscience can't work well without a knowledge of this book. If all of your life you have been told that you're supposed to shoot people and kill people, your conscience would never bother you. You'd just shoot and kill people. If all of your life you've been told you're supposed to drive right through an intersection when the light's red, you just drive right through the red light like Kay did the other day, and the police will stop you. <laughs> Happened to be that he had attended this church, and he said, don't you give that lady, a, told his pardon, don't you give that lady a ticket. I know her daddy. <laughs> but if you'd always been taught red lights mean go, your conscience wouldn't bother you. You just give it the gas, go right through the intersection, have a wreck and kill yourself. Your first duty is to enlighten your conscience, educate your conscience, and then obey an educated conscience. And so there are things that you don't feel bad about because you've made exceptions. You refuse to read the scripture. You refuse to be exposed to the truth. You don't want to know the truth about it because you want your freedom. You want to be able to sip your beer and your cocktails. You want to be able to puff your weeds. You want to be able to be involved in sexual promiscuity. You want to be able to carry on your lifestyle of freedom of sin. And no wonder you're not bearing a cross. You're not denying yourself. You're not following Jesus. You've just got a good dose of religion. Not good enough to be saved, but when you get saved, it's going to turn you inside out, upside down, and head you on the right road.